Let's give them something to listen to. <laughs> what if we were just like hardcore, not gonna edit? <laughs> we were like, listen to us eat our french fries. It's like that thing um, that, I forget what country it was really popular in, but the train where you uh-huh. literally just watched like 19 hours of a train. like going We watched from- it on New Year's Eve two years ago. Three years ago. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay. We need to move the mic so it's more in the middle. You don't like the sultry sound of my voice? I just want to also hear How the about right sound over of the mayonnaise? I think that's the perfect spot for it. Right over the mayonnaise. Right over the mayo. In the arms of the mayo. <laughs> fly away. <laughs> make sure we're on do not disturb. Yeah. Sound is. Ah. <laughs> We're gonna actually be prepared this time. What do we want to talk about today? Have you been binging anything? <laughs> Why don't we introduce ourselves first? Oh, well, Hello. let's introduce the show. This is Millennial Poet Society. It is indeed. Mm-hmm. At its finest, mm-hmm. late at night, with munching on Shake Shack, Shake Shack French fries, and mayo. Oh. Everything but classy. <laughs> Oh, um, it's the classiest though. Fries and mayo is classy. Fries and ketchup is not. Oh, uh, we're gonna get hate because it's like the European thing to do. Is it? Yeah, it's super popular in like Denmark. I think. That's oh, in Denmark. Well, that's in Europe. <laughs> I mean, okay. Um, I started doing it in Ireland, but <laughs> this is Millennial Poet Society. I'm I, your co-host Emily Klein. I'm the other co-host. Uh, Marguerite Virginia. Did you get your name there for a second? No, I just didn't know. I was trying to be like kind of witty, and then I was like, no, I'll just. I'll say just this. be me. I'll just say this. <laughs> yep, this is me. Um, yeah, basically. <laughs> We're so um, happy that you're joining us today. It's late Wish at night we here. Share the fries with you, but oh no, they're all for us. Smell a vision is not here yet. But imagine if you're in the New York area or wherever else they have Shake Shack that you're eating one of their delicious crinkle cut golden crispy French fries Mm -hmm. with your bestie. Or by yourself in a dark room. Maybe you're your own bestie. Mm -hmm. Maybe Mayo's your bestie. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe Mayo's your bestie. (laughs) Um... We're really excited to talk about some great Mayo. poets this week. <laughs> some great poets this week. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but first, let's catch up a little bit. Yeah. How's your How's your day been? Uh, it's been very busy, uh, and I took the edge off before getting here mm-hmm. with a couple... A little work-sponsored... A um, couple four glasses of wine. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this has been a fun night already. So uh, what about you? How are you feeling? I'm doing all right. Doing all right. Had work today too. It was, it was a Tuesday. Oh, a Tuesday. Mm-hmm. But actually, I had a really good conversation with this um, woman on the train. It was really nice. Yeah. For a few stops. Yeah. She just asked me where my bag was from, and then we just like had a really good conversation from there. Um, it's always nice, like pleasant when it's like 
you're not annoyed. Like, it's a good conversation. Right. It's not just someone talking to talk. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was really pleasant. I told her about Today Ticks because she and her husband like to go to shows and she was trying to... Sorry. The burps <laughs> come back. I think I burped in the last, like, three episodes. Um, She's a burpy lady. <laughs> this is me. Not a burpy lady. Like, the workout, but... Not lately. <laughs> Not lately. Um, but yeah, so it was a really good conversation, and um, I love that. It was fun. Um, what yeah. are you? Uh, what are you sipping? Uh, well, so I've got some water. Good. I've got a can of Amble and Chase uh, Provence French Rosé. Oh, classy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> canned um, wine, man. I mean, there's some good canned wine. But this was, like, the only decent option at the place that was near work when I got it, like, two weeks ago. And it's been sitting in the fridge since then. Um, and then I also have a strawberry milkshake from Shake Shack. So we've got all the beverages. Ever since I was, like, younger, I remember in high school, or I don't know when it started, but I just drink multiple things at once. Like, at breakfast or something, like, if we're out having breakfast somewhere, I'll get coffee orange juice and water. Or, like, wow. I just always have, like, many beverages. Oh. <laughs> I guess like I've never noticed that about you. Stay hydrated in many ways. All these years. All these years. You're not paying attention. That's fine. <laughs> what, are well, you, what are you sipping? Uh, I've got myself a nice chocolate milkshake and some water. So H2O. Can't complain That's over strong. here. It's been a good day. Stuff. Yeah. That's strong stuff. <laughs> yeah, I needed something to combat the uh, four glasses of Pinot Noir that I drank, so... Yeah. Mmm, it was Pinot Noir. It was all right. Okay. <laughs> it was, no, I mean, was, I clearly didn't have a problem with it. did the trick. Um, yeah, it was pretty good. Pretty dang good for conference wine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, anyway, now that we are 24 minutes into our recording. <laughs> well, yeah, we won't be in, like, actual time. Don't worry. I'm, well, maybe, but. Who knows? Who's, <laughs> who's to, to say? say? <laughs> Speaking of which. Have, have you, you heard? <laughs> have you checked out our bonus material? If not, you should. It's pretty it great. It was me. <laughs> and me. And we well, really love it. Me. No, I know, but I mean, in general. <laughs> it was Marguerite, and it was gorgeous. And <laughs> truly, I mean, we're really excited to share all of these new poets with you. So. Yeah. Give a listen to yeah, our shorter next... episodes if you, you know, maybe you can't fit in our full hour-long episodes um, every day, but we have some short ones coming your way soon mm-hmm. and uh, a couple in our queue already. Yeah, and we have a correction thanks to the lovely um, Marianne, Marianne Klein. Klein. Thank you. Mama Klein. Thank you for keeping us honest and keeping us real. Um, in the bonus episode this past week, we talked about Eleanor Roosevelt. And we said that she was uh, Teddy Roosevelt's wife. Which is you said that she was. Well, no, I said what was Teddy Roosevelt's wife's name, and you went along with it and said Eleanor. Yes, that's true. I'll take. They were cousins, though, weren't they? There's some like trivia question where it's like uh, something about the what? I don't know. I think I I think she and Teddy were cousins or something. They're related in some way. There's literally a like there was some game show or something that she and Teddy are cousins or. Franklin Delano and Teddy were cousins. Because it would be weird if she were Teddy's cousin. Because then... Yeah. 
But that happened a lot. But there's something... No, there's something about how... I don't know. There's some trivia question that I thought I knew... I don't know. We'll look it up later. But anyway, that's we'll fix that part later. But the correction that we have right now is that she was FDR's wife and not Teddy Roosevelt's. So, oops. Thanks for thanks for catching it, Mama Klein. Keeping us real, Love keeping us always. educated. Um, and some other just like business at the beginning. Um, please, like we mentioned, we have those bonus episodes. We have we're really excited about some new artists coming up. The next couple of weeks will be. Artists that are not us. We're going to feature some uh, lovely people who have sent their work to us. And so you can do that as well. Send us your work to our email address, millennialpoetssociety at gmail.com, which you can find that email address on our Instagram profile. Uh, And Instagram, we are mps underscore podcast. And just click the little email button that's on the profile easily. It'll load up on whatever device you're on, computer phone and you can uh, shoot us a little message and then while you're on our Instagram profile go ahead and make sure to give us a follow so you can keep up with all our shenanigans whether we're (laughs) uploading new episodes or just being goofy while we record it's we think we're funny so we'd love it if if you made us feel like we were funny too (laughs) shall we get started I think so and um we were able to figure it out this week without having to re-listen to all our episodes. So we're doing well. We're getting better, We're folks. getting better. The memory's kicking in. We're not losing it just yet. Um, so my turn to go first this week. Yay. Yes. And I am going to start with Dorianne Lowe, I believe is how you pronounce her last name. It's spelled like the French L-A-U-X. Which oh. is like Lamoureux. I have I had a teacher A-U whose is, last name was oh, like yeah, yeah. I had a teacher whose last name was Lamoureux when I was in high school. So I was like, I believe it's low. Wonderful. Yeah. So she was born January tenth, nineteen fifty two, in Augusta, Maine. Capricorn. Yep. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> <Woo-hoo>. mm-hmm. <laughs> um, she worked as a sanatorium cook, a gas station Ooh. gas station manager, and a maid before she got her BA in English from. Mills College in 1988, and I looked up, I know sanatorium is a word that, it's one of those words, I feel like we had something the other day where this happened too, uh, just last night we were talking about it as we were rocking, actually, I don't remember what the word was, but it's like where you know the word, but you couldn't necessarily tell someone what it is, oh. you just know it sort of in reference, or like when it's used in a sentence, you're like, mm-hmm, yes, I know what you mean. Mm-hmm. I can picture it. <laughs> yeah, so I looked it up just to, just for a little fun trivia, Um, so a sanatorium, also sometimes known as a sanitarium, is a medical facility for long-term illness, mostly, most typically associated with treatment of tuberculosis or TB in the late 19th century and 20th century before the discovery of antibiotics. So she worked there. I always Um, thought that was, uh, another word for like a mental hospital. No, not that I know of. Interesting. Um, yeah. Well, and it said, so it also said, so a lot of times sanatorium is specifically referred to as the place that I just described. And then when you say sanitarium, some people will um, think of it as it's more of like a health, like retreat place sort of where you go to just mm. do healthy things. Not like a spa, but like, like a cleanse. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, she, that <laughs> the was faces we just made on cleanse and detox were like exactly what you were thinking. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, Good. exactly. Uh, so on the Poetry Foundation, they um, describe Lowe's free verse poems as um, sensual and grounded, and saying they reveal the poet as a compassionate witness to the everyday. Oh. Which I loved that description. <clears throat> and she herself said in an interview for the website Read Write Poem that poems keep us conscious of the importance of our individual lives. Personal witness of a singular life seen cleanly and with the um, concomitant. Uh, con- I, I, I also got the definition of this word because it's not one that I really had seen before. Concomitant. Concomitant, well-chosen particulars. I've never heard that word before. Yeah. I'll give you the definition in just a minute. <laughs> um, uh, poems are one of the most powerful ways to do this. Um, okay, so that was didn't make sense. After, but okay, so concomitant means um, uh, naturally accompanying or associated. So she's saying um, like associated with well-chosen particulars or accompanying. Um, and she said that craft is important, a skill to be learned, but it is not the beginning and the end of the story. She says, I want the muddled middle to be filled with the gristle of the living. Which mm. I just thought was a fun... That's a really way to think of, yeah, yeah, art and poetry, and yeah, it's not just the craft and artistry and everything. Like you can have the ugly stuff in there sometimes too. Mm-hmm. Um, everything that makes up the living, right, right. Our lives it. aren't these neat, neatly put together things and whatnot. No. <laughs> um, so she's and the author of collections, um, these collections, uh, the Book of Women, the Book of Men, which won the Patterson Prize and the Roanoke. Chowan Award, Facts About the Moon, uh, chosen by the poet I, or I think that's, it's spelled A-I, um, I think it's pronounced I, uh, so she was chosen by that poet as winner of the Oregon Book Award and uh, as a finalist for the National Book Critics Circle Award in the Lenore Marshall Poetry Prize. I, I is also a poet that I really want to, they had a very interesting backstory and is someone that I would definitely should do sometime. Um, so that's why I didn't, I felt like I wanted to go into it. There were lots of little things about uh, Dorian that I was like, wanted to give little bits of extra information on, but yeah. I saved, I figured we would save mm-hmm. I for another time, because I'm like, I'll definitely do their work sometime. Yeah. Um, another collection was called Smoke, What We Carry, Awake, and um, coming out this year, she has a book, a collection um, called Only As the Day Is Long, New and Selected. Do you know what day that's due out? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I but should. But sometime this year. Yeah, sometime this year. How exciting. Oh. And actually, the, the poem that I'm doing is going to be from that collection. So she has some things that are released already from it, apparently. Or fun. like little samples. That's so fun. Mm-hmm. Um, another fun fact is that uh, Clementine von Radix, one of our very first poets on this mm-hmm. on this uh, podcast. And really awesomely, someone who follows us on Instagram and like regularly we watches our story. We love you. <laughs> so much. If I could express all of my love, we'd be here for another hour. Um, but their their new collection. book just came out today. It's a big freaking deal. So get yourselves a copy today as a recording, right? Yes, like right today as, as as we are recording the mm-hmm. ninth. Um, so it's big freaking deal. We're super excited, and Ooh. I mean, we are not gaining anything other than besides hopefully their unconditional love. <laughs> like we love them so much, so it's a big deal for us and me especially. So, um, congratulations, Clementine. These two gals are in your corner. So. Mm-hmm. Let us know if you want to be a guest on the podcast. Oh, my God. Or, like, just say hi. (laughs) (laughs) 
So, yay. Yay. <laughs> so, sorry. That was a side note. But yeah, no, I would that's love great. to hear this new poem. Um, I'm not done talking about her yet. Oh. <laughs> so, her works have been translated into French, Italian, Korean, Romanian, Afrikaans, Dutch, and Brazilian Portuguese. Nice. Yeah. She has received fellows from the Guggenheim Foundation and the National Endowment for the Arts and has been a Pushcart Prize winner. We've had um, a couple other Pushcart Prize winners, I believe. Oh, yeah? I remember Maybe some that. of your people. I don't yeah. remember any of mine necessarily, like, specifically being noticed. Last week we did. Hmm. Um, and she was first inspired to write when, after hearing a poem by Pablo Neruda. Another of another our poets. Another fellow, yeah, MPS alum. <laughs> <laughs> Ew. Sorry for that. <laughs> uh, yeah, some other influences um, for her were Sharon Olds, Lucille Clifton, Anne Sexton, and Adrian Rich. Cool. So this poem is called My Mother's Colander, from, and it's from her forthcoming book, um, Only As the Day is Long, colon, new, and selected. Nice. Holes in the shape of stars, punched in gray tin, dented, cheap, Beaten by each of her children with a wooden spoon. Noodle catcher, spaghetti stopper, mm-hmm. pouring cloudy rain into the sink, swirling counterclockwise down the drain. Starch slime on the backside, caught in the piercings. Scrubbed for 60 years. Packed and unpacked. The baby's helmet during the Cold War. A sinking <laughs> ship in the bathtub. Little boat of holes. Dirt scooped in with a plastic shovel. Sifted to make cakes and castles. Wrestled from each other's hands, its tin feet bent and rebent. Bold daylight fell through onto freckled faces. Noon stars on the pavement. The universe we circled, aiming jagged stones, rung bells. It caught and held. Oh, how vivid! So oh my god, I just like was in a dream of my own. Yeah. Thinking of my it mom's it, yeah. and my, like, my family's mm-hmm. colander. Your That's colander so are cute. just, yeah, those little things that, like, those those old family things that are used and reused for different things. That is, like, that's not their original purpose. Right. But, like, you just, it's, yeah, yeah. And I could just picture, like, it was like watching an old, like, home video or something where yes. I could see little kids playing with this colander and, like, making sand castles or wearing it as a helmet. That was and, the like, vivid line for me, the mm-hmm, baby's helmet, the helmet. in the Cold yeah. War. Yeah. So, and I just loved, I, I didn't really have any specific talking points on the poem. I just loved when I read it. I was like, oh, it just made me feel warm and fuzzy and made me think of home videos. And, and I love as I did some, cause I found, I picked out the poem before I did the research on her. Mm-hmm. And so I really loved hearing her talk about, and then also like other people talk about her as being, as really like investing in just like sort of the simple things in life and the gritty things or whatever it's not it's this old dented colander and like you can see the little like someone probably hand punched the little stars out of it at some point and whatever and so it just made me it just made me really happy and I love I love poems that will do that where it's just like these simple little things that you're then making it's a simple thing when you just like oh it's a colander but then there's so much to it, like so much more behind it that adds all this value to it and adds all this sentimental, like importance to it. Whereas right. like, it's not just a colander, it's a helmet and it's a, it helps you make castles and it's, it's it has this amazing thing. Yeah. I yeah. love that. So, um, 
Yeah, yeah. It was. Were there any particular moments that it made you think of, or just? Like... I mean, I. It made me think of, in my house, we're we're almost always well, at least when I was growing up, we almost always had berries draining in the sink. Mm-hmm. So I always think of our colander as being that for us, mm-hmm. and very vividly in the poem when they talk about noodle catcher and like. <laughs> having to scrape the like caught yeah like wet noodle fibers mm-hmm. off the sides i'm like oh that's yeah. my least favorite mm-hmm. job now that i'm an adult and have right. to do the dishes but it's such well, a vivid like, memory yeah, of like start slime on the backside caught yeah. in the piercings yeah like, c- cooking for loved ones or mm-hmm. making a dinner with family that's i mean the colander is is a universally used kitchen utensil right you know mm-hmm. like it's, or you know if you call it a utensil but kitchen item thing yeah it's a, <laughs> it's a thing that that everybody uses everybody has right. and it's it's so cool when you like you wouldn't think to be like mm, okay what do you what does your mom use her colander for yeah, you know yeah. for or like how, let me write a poem about this thing that we're like Draining our pasta with. I love it. I love that. I think it's it's great to give those little moments importance because not mm-hmm. only does it give you shine a light on like the object itself, but on the little moments that you would otherwise sort of maybe look, look past. Or, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I love that. Yeah, that was just a nice little thing. Like, when I was when I was looking for poems, I, I, we were sort of talking about it before we were recording. I found all these really beautiful poems that were very deep and all this stuff but I just I don't know my mind I've been working all weekend and my mind is just so tired and so I was like I just want some poems that make me feel warm and good and and so that's what my poems are this week I think it's great yeah and I think it's a good reminder too because I think last week and the week before maybe we like were a little heavy really heavy <laughs> you guys down and yeah and, those and are, with my bonus episode a little bit too <laughs> well they're so important mm-hmm. you know like we we have to talk about that but what makes those poems like this so yeah. special is knowing that they exist in the same world mm-hmm. and are just as valuable yeah. as those poems that really, you know, hit yeah. us or like really kick us. Well, in the and that sort of also goes toward what we talked about in my bonus episode of like me talking about how I've been trying to work on writing when I'm happy right. and about those little things. So it's important to see like poetry, it doesn't just have to come from painful places. It can come from those really warm and fuzzy places too. I've been really liking our um, Poetry Month little mm-hmm. prompts this yeah. month because yeah. I it is we're taking turns with the prompts. We never mm-hmm. know what each other's gonna get. You know, like yeah. maybe sometimes there are ones where that you do, and I'm like, oh, I just need to write it, so I'll write my own, like mm-hmm. knowing it's not gonna get posted. But like just for me, well, and even maybe at the end of the month we can like share all well, the ones that were maybe. Mm-hmm. But it's it's mostly them. just the idea of like having a regiment and like reminding myself that mm-hmm. hey this is a whole new thing that you could be writing about yeah that isn't or like how sad you are yeah, yeah, <laughs> or like yeah or isn't like your normal subject matter uh-huh. and it's just it's a really fun stretch and exactly what I wanted out of this national poetry month yeah. I never do challenges like this because mm-hmm. I've never had a place where I feel comfortable sharing it like regularly yeah but with this podcast I feel like it's been a really great experience just to get a chance to yeah. get used to what it's like to share 
poetry and things that you don't necessarily have to like brood on too long or sit with yourself. Right. It's like I just wrote it and I'm sharing it right now. Yes, today's uh, April 9th. I wrote while lying on the floor of this beautiful apartment coming down from her <laughs> coming down from my uh, little my wine high. Yeah. So yeah. Um, so it's pretty fun, but that's sort of what it is. Like poetry should come from those moments of bliss and like yeah. those and also those moments of just quiet reflection, mm-hmm. you know? So mm-hmm. I I love that and the, yeah. I love that I'm getting that and I really feel that from this poem, Mm -hmm. that it's just a a simple moment of recognition of something that's been there for you forever, you know? Yeah, yeah. great. And you'll probably get a little bit of sort of those things for my next poem, too, which I I got really excited when I saw it. So, yeah. Um, I found both of these poems also on the Poetry Foundation. Um, Mm. I was trying to find out, I was trying to just find, and they have literally just a section, or maybe it was poetry, I think it was poetry.org, which is... I forget which organization that's. It's like the American Poetry Foundation. Or it's it's some. It's not just like poetry. It's a different it's, foundation, yeah. right? But um, they have a section where you can just literally click it, and it says poems, and it just has you can go mm-hmm. through. And so that I was doing that last night, and then you would like see like related poems, and like I was just clicking on all these things. So I have all these other poets that I want to do sometime. But these two spoke to me. Love it. This week. So my next poet is Joseph O. Legaspi. Um, and there wasn't a ton of information on him online. I, I didn't read through too many, like, in-depth interviews, but even, I tried to click on, like, find some articles and everything, but it seemed like all of them had gotten their bio of him sort of from the same place, because they all just kind of said the same thing, so maybe he's just not a very public person. Um, but he was born and raised in the Philippines, and then his family immigrated to, I said born and raised in the Philippines, but he immigrated to Los Angeles when he was 12, so... Until the age of 12, he lived there, and then they moved to Los Angeles. Um, He earned a BA at Loyola Marymount University, and then he got his MFA from the creative writing program at uh, NYU. So, um, he's edumacated. (laughs) (laughs) And he actually, what he does now is really cool. I'll get to at the end of this. But, so he has, his collections include uh, Threshold, Imago, um, or Imago, which won a Global Filipino Literary Award. And then he has a chapbook called Subways, which I looked up what a chapbook is, and it's just a small paperback booklet. So it's maybe something that's, like, not as long as your standard, like, collection of poetry. It's just, like, a smaller thing. Sort of like my collection of poems. Like yours, <laughs> yes. Don't look it up. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um... Uh, so yeah, and so that chap book is, chap book, I, I feel like I should enunciate, chap book, um, is what my poem is from today. Cool. Uh, called Subways. Uh, he also, I, this is another reason why I was kind of surprised I couldn't find more information on him because, um, so he co-founded the Kundaman Foundation, mm-hmm. which sounds like I definitely know that I've heard about that and, um, and just, I don't know if it, what exactly it's in reference to. But I know it's an organ, like a big organization, or at least I think, unless there's another one that has that name. Um, yeah, so he founded it with Sarah Gambito, and it's a nonprofit organization that promotes and serves Asian American writers and writing. Um, but even on there, like, there's literally no bio of him on there. It has like the um, on the website you can click about, and then it has the, like, administrative whatever, and it just says, like, co-founder, and then his name, but you can't, there's no, like, you can't click on it, and there's no bio for him, so I'm like, I want to know more about you, (laughs) but you're not letting me, (laughs) but, um, 
So he lives and works in New York City. Uh, and right now he works as an assistant to the administrator at the Pulitzer Prizes. Pulitzer Prizes. Oh. Yeah. So that's really cool. Yeah. I'm like, that'd be the assistant to the administrator at the Pulitzer Prizes. Like. What a fun job. Yeah. That just sounds so cool. Um, so yeah, his, the poem that I'm doing today is from, uh, Subways and it is called A Subway Ride. His artfully unkempt strawberry blonde head sports outsized headphones, like a contemporary bust. Behold, the innocence of the freckles, ripe pout of cherry lips. As if the mere sight of the world hurts him, he squints greenly and applies saline drops. You dream him crying over you. For the duration of a subway ride, you fall blindly in love. Until he exits, or you exit, returning home to the one you truly love to ravish him. Mm. And it made me think of our conversation from last yes. week. Yeah. And where about we, like, little moments of falling in love on the subway. Yeah. And, like, yeah. Well, how are... many times a day do I do that? Mm-hmm. How fun. And I love that last line, uh, returning home to the one you truly love to ravish him. And I feel like it's so cool to, I don't know if that, if this is what he meant, but sort of the, the, potentially the idea of, like, falling in love with this stranger or acknowledging that you have love for all these other people then making your love for this person that you truly love and are in a relationship Mm -hmm. with that much stronger and appreciate them so much and be like or even noticing little things about strangers and then and then making you notice something about the person you're with that you hadn't before because you saw in someone else or it's like sure saw something in a different way yeah um So, yeah, I just really love that. And I love, it's relatable for us because we live in New York City and we ride the subway every way, every day. (laughs) But um, even for people, like, somewhere where they don't have that, like, I don't know why I'm burping so much. But just, like, somebody (laughs) falling in love with, like, at the grocery store. Exactly, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, yeah. the grocery store. Mm -hmm. Or... Or these little moments of just falling in love with someone, like, little moments of love that you're sending out to people. That's what I was saying the other day about... How I have like a billion crushes, mm-hmm. like how fun it is mm-hmm. for me to imagine all of my little crushes just running around in the world and, right. and holding little pieces of my heart and spreading that uh-huh. love and attention to the other people in their lives. And yeah. like how much fun that is for me to know that, yeah. that that little spark of love and like, or adoration or admiration mm-hmm. is, is being sent out, just sent out and like repeated tenfold right. in the universe. Yeah, because I was going to say, like, knowing that, like, we feel that way and we have these little moments, like, there's going to be other people, too, who have those moments with us and yeah. little people who fall in love with us on the subway or on the corner. Uh, not that's not like Maybe waiting not love. <laughs> waiting for the crosswalk <laughs> or like in the grocery store yeah. like and knowing and just knowing that that love is being sent out and it's just really beautiful and I feel like especially in this world today and all this crazy stuff that's happening in the news and everything it's important to think about those little moments of love and and sharing that with people when we can even if it's just maybe a little smile or something yeah Yeah. well I told you about my goal maybe yeah yeah to look up but just to yeah to look up more and like yeah make eye contact when I feel like it's safe to do so and like just I just feel like it's a it's a thing that I grew up 
knowing to do uh-huh. just because I grew up in a Midwestern town or mm-hmm. like, and, and mm-hmm. because I grew up with a very kind family that was very open and I know I've lost a lot of that. And so, mm-hmm. so reminding myself that, Hey, you know what? It's okay to be vulnerable yeah. and it's okay to be open to the people around you and, and what a beautiful thing that invites into your life mm-hmm. when you are able to express yourself in that way. Yeah. Um, just to remind myself to, to do that a little yeah. more often. Um, well, and I feel like, yeah, I feel like as New Yorkers, we all have sort of an understanding of like, like the, the girl, the woman who was on the subway with me today, like I had my headphones in, I was sort of looking down, whatever, but she felt totally comfortable like being like, Hey, what kind of bag is that? And like starting conversations, like, I feel like we have as New Yorkers, we have an agreement sort of with ourselves where it's like, you can ask someone for directions. You can ask them like, and they're gonna, for the most part, be open and like if you just approach them but for people who maybe either aren't from New York or haven't lived here for a while or like all this it's very off-putting to them because they don't necessarily understand like everybody's a threat when you first get here I mean even now but like well and and yeah so we're just so used to sort of having as sort of a protective thing sometimes like not necessarily being open right but knowing that if you need help like someone's gonna be there or if you have a question there's gonna be someone there but not everyone understands that or knows that right and so it's important yeah to to know that expressing things in multiple ways is important to sort of be open to the world and take things in and and share yeah just to just to lift your eyes keep your headphones on by all means but just lift your eyes up from your phone or from your book or whatever on the subway and and make eye contact with a stranger that seems like maybe they need it that day or or something Mm -hmm. I don't know Mm -hmm. that's that's been my goal and I've enjoyed sticking to it yeah it's it's nice um those are beautiful poems thank you for sharing yeah I they like I said they made me feel warm and fuzzy and happy and that's what I needed this week so I'm sure Love there's it. some other people listening who need it, too. I'm glad that poetry could do that for you. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. These fries, too. Yeah. <laughs> Shake Shack always does it for me. Shake Shack always <laughs> delivers. I mean, truly, honest, like, what is that word? Literally and figuratively delivers. Yeah. Yep. That's true. Yep. <laughs> uh-huh. Um. Yes. I have Commercial to. break. <laughs> we'll be right back after these messages. And welcome back. <laughs> I'm going to put all of those in. Like, literally just cut to, like, and welcome back. And we're back. And we're back. <laughs> welcome back, everyone. It's my turn. It's your turn. I have two really great... Poets for us this week. I'm excited. The first one is Jumana Haddad. Woo. She was born December 6th, 1970 in Beirut, Lebanon, where she lives and works. She is a poet, journalist, and translator, as well as the editor of the cultural pages of the Lebanese daily An Nahar and administrator of the Arab Booker Prize. She's a busy lady. She's very busy. You may know her, Marg, from her appearance in an episode of Parts Unknown with Anthony Bourdain. Yes. When she, he goes to Beirut. I forgot you told me that. Fuck yeah. yeah. So when he goes oh, to Beirut. Anthony Bourdain. R.I.P. What a soul. Truly. Uh, 
when he goes to Beirut, he has lunch or dinner or something with mm-hmm. her. And mm-hmm. I remember that was, I think, the very first episode of Parts Unknown that I ever that watched I you. that you showed me. And I think you showed it to me because I'm half Lebanese. And you were like, maybe you'll like this. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> Look, this thing, relatable. <laughs> but, like, I didn't need you to show me just that. But it did really help. And it introduced me to Germana, who was on the episode and spoke so boldly and beautifully about the uh, about every life in Beirut mm-hmm. in general but also mm-hmm. as a woman in yeah. Beirut and it really opened my eyes to that part of my culture that I've I hadn't yet we should watch experienced. that episode tonight <laughs> <laughs> um so anyway more about her She's published five collections of poetry. Okay. I know two of the titles, and I'm going to read them in English since okay. I don't speak Arabic. Mm-hmm. They are Invitation to a Secret Feast and Lilith's Return. Her books have been translated into French, German, Spanish, and Italian. She speaks, <clears throat> as well as English, um, she speaks seven languages and has translated several of her works of poetry and prose into and from Arabic. Her most recent is an anthology of modern Lebanese poetry translated into Spanish mm. and published in Spain and in various Latin American countries. Do you know how many languages she speaks? She speaks seven languages. That's incredible. Did you say that earlier? Yes, I, just... I did. But that's okay. Oh, sorry. It's okay. Um, <laughs> she speaks seven languages. So does she write, she writes predominantly in Arabic or does she write in Arabic and English? She writes in both. I think she writes in all seven languages, <clears throat> but... She well, um, predominantly yeah. in Arabic, yeah. and then we'll translate that's beautiful. from Arabic to the seven languages. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That's inc- that's so cool that, that she is her own translator. Well, one, one of them, one of them. She, okay, she does use other translators, which okay. I'll get to. But that's also that's such a cool, especially. I mean, like I said in an earlier episode, I would love to talk more about like it was our last and longer yeah, episode, yeah. and so I it sort of triggered me, and that was yeah. why I just started to research. Lebanese poets. I was like, yeah. there's got to be somebody uh-huh. that like uses a translator or something, yeah. right? Well, and that's amazing so. that like that's so cool that she can be her own translator because then it's like how like there could be no truer translation of your work than if you were to translate it, right? Because exactly. it's like there's some words where there's multiple words that could be used and that sort of thing, multiple meanings, right? Yeah, yeah. But it's like she, she, yeah. That's really cool. So I was really excited to start reading her stuff. She's um, a fucking badass. Aside from writing and editing, she's also a public speaker and women's rights activist. Oh, yeah. Um, she's been selected as one of the world's 100 most powerful Arab women for mm. four years in, the, in a row in 2017 um, by Arabian Business Magazine, and she was 34th in 2017. So, like, she's doing the work. She and is doing the stuff. It's incredible. Back um, in... Like putting the work into, not just like talking the talk, right? Just like yeah. she's she's researching, she's speaking, she's advocating, and she's writing, and it's it's all amazing. Yeah. Um, in November 2018, she launched Alhura, a new program highlighting the topics of free expression and critical thinking. Uh, she's also on the board of advisors of March Lebanon, an NGO, which is a non-governmental organization, fighting censorship and raising awareness about the right for free expression. So lots of people are very oppressed in Lebanon. Mm-hmm. And so she's at the forefront of that fight against censorship, which is so cool. 
Um, she's won many awards, as you can imagine, for her writing, both poetry and prose, including journalism. And she lives in Beirut now with her two sons. Hmm. And I have a link that I want to share with everybody. Um, I hope you all enjoyed the link that I shared last week from yeah. our poet, um, Brenda Shaughnessy. Brenda, yeah. But this one will be uh, an interview with um, the LA Review of Books and Jamana about what it's like to live in Beirut and how her life has changed yeah. since uh, wars have broken out. And it's mm -hmm. a very beautiful uh, article. I highly recommend it. Awesome. So I will be reading a poem from her book, Invitation to a Secret Feast which is her fifth book of poetry. And it's also the first one of her works to be published in America. And so did she translate this piece or? This is actually a piece translated by Khaled Matawa, who is uh, one of the translators that she used most in this book. But I, cool. I think I have a list of the rest of them. I, I do. I was, yeah. Um, okay. So this poem is called, I Don't Remember. I don't remember that I undressed in daylight for a man whose eyes are closed. I don't remember that I ran like saliva and he was an unattainable desire and that I was ravenous with hunger and he was an impossible bed and that I was the conqueror and he a resilient city. I don't remember, don't remember that I conquered a man like a storm and he was the open window that faced my weakness, that I poured on him like a fever, and his hallucinations swallowed my tongue. I knew men's bodies as travel, and my body as arrival and easy farewell. I knew that men's hearts are pairs of hands and knew that my heart was a promise of asphyxiation that remains false even when it wins. I knew that men's arrival was a gentle flood and their departure a temporary ruin. I knew how to forget them even as they stormed the dust of memory. I had never known a man whose heart professed rupture like a foretold catastrophe. I never knew a man who could turn me from an Eve into woman. Wow. That's a... That, I love that. Isn't that just like huge? Yeah. It's like huge. Like yeah. I... <laughs> it's earth shattering to me. Mm -hmm. And that not only that it speaks these multitudes to women in general mm -hmm. but that it came from a place where women are so heavily oppressed yeah and that she just said no to that mm -hmm. is is incredible i mean it, it is unreal to me um her book as a whole this book that it comes from invitation yeah. to a secret feast um, is said to celebrate sexuality, femininity, and womanhood, all of which I think can be seen in this one poem, mm -hmm. um, but are all also like taboo subjects that you cannot talk about. I mean, mm -hmm. let alone publish, you know? Yeah. And um, in an interview, in the interview that I, I posted um, with the Los Angeles Review of Books in 2019, um, Haddad said that, 
on the role of anger and the creation of literature. She said, I'm fueled by it, but it's the good kind. I was raised during a war that could not leave you indifferent. Anger always drove me to challenge my circumstances. It's become the manner through which I confront life. It makes me want to contribute. Hmm. And I just think about that and I'm like, of all of the ways that you could have interpreted that anger, what a beautiful mm-hmm. what a beautiful choice to make yeah. to make art with it and to to speak for those who cannot yet speak for themselves mm-hmm. i just it, it's it's <laughs> it brings tears to my eyes and it's so yeah unbelievable that that this woman is is not only so capable right but that she's using her her talents and Mm -hmm. her voice for good right right yeah it's so important and so incredible um yeah i love the i love the imagery that she has just throughout the poem but one that the the what was she says like i am the storm and he was the open window facing my vulnerability that's my favorite yep um Um, i i conquered a man like a storm and he was the open window that faced my weakness that's so cool. That's it has so many meanings, you know. Right. Because obviously, or at least at the beginning, I feel like she's maybe talking about a relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, she's like, "I undressed for this man yeah. with his eyes closed," mm-hmm. and I'm sure I'm missing a lot of the like images in this poem simply because I don't know her culture as well as I should. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's kind of clear to me that when she says I conquered a man like a storm, like there she's talking about not only the men in her life in relationships that she knows personally, but the men in her in her civilization that in the society, decide to yeah, that she's had to encounter and oppress her deal right. with. Yeah. Um and his hallucinations swallowed my tongue, meaning that like his his ideas, his, his projection of what females should be maybe mm-hmm. silenced her for a little bit, but then she fought back and became this force to be reckoned with. And, like, I, it's just such beautiful language that is strong and thorough and unforgiving. Mm-hmm. And it's like a hurricane. I mean, yeah. when she calls herself a storm, it's yeah. true. Yeah. I love it. When like listening to the words, even just like so, there's all the imagery and everything, but also just hearing all the words and how they sound together and everything. It just it the way I would describe it is like swirling and like mm-hmm. j- like like um uh. I can't think of a specific, but those bottles where it's like has not like glitter, but things in it and you like shake it up and then it's just swirling and all this stuff. Like what are those called? I don't it's know. like, a, I'm thinking of this like alcohol that I've seen before that has this oh, really cool, like color and everything. The, the like purple thing. I know that, what you mean. What yeah, was it called? I, we got, we it got drunk college, on I think. <laughs> It was called something with like an like X or gross. a Q in it. And it was like, but it was this beautiful, like, it was Purple, beautiful, but it tasted like shit. Thing. But like just that, the way that it looked in the bottle was like mem- mesmerizing. Yeah, the way that it swirled it's, and shimmered, and it's like that's smoke. What her poetry was like to it's me, like, it, to <laughs> and me, I got drunk off it. To me, it feels like 
she's she, her words are this again. I felt the swirling too because mm-hmm. of the the cyclical speech that she uses mm-hmm. with the repeated lines of "I don't remember, I don't remember, I don't remember." Yeah. You know, she's making yeah. her points, and it goes right back to that that um, main phrase. What is that called? The like the theme, the yeah, the chorus. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just, she goes right back to that thought and... The refrain. Did you say that? I didn't, but that's not the word I'm thinking of. It's like in a paper, the main topic. Thesis? Thesis. (laughs) Woo! (laughs) Okay. And then she has her supporting arguments. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, So, anyway, I, I find that to be a beautifully moving, strong battle cry of a piece yeah uh, from a battle cry of a woman and yeah, so i yeah. i'm very proud of that one uh, that was really cool it was amazing thank you but just to do me. a shout out for the other um translators that were mm-hmm. included in this volume we have najib awad isa bulata marilyn hacker herself she uh mm-hmm. also translated khalid matawa and David Matthews. Those are all of the translators used in her Not book. Not Dave Matthews. As right. Dave Matthews. David band. Matthews. David Matthews. That's exactly what I thought. It's like um, when I thought David Bowie was wrote something in right. the first episode. <laughs> <laughs> it was like David Brown or something. Nope. <laughs> um, but all of those translators can be attributed to Invitation to a Secret Feast. And I know that some of our listeners had originally been maybe interested in learning more about translators. So maybe we can write something up this week about Mm -hmm. those. If you want to go in deeper or if you guys have any facts about those people or translators in general and, and want to share, you know, what their job might be, we would be more than happy to talk about it next time. And it's something that interests me too. So Mm -hmm. yeah, especially because like I was saying earlier, it's really cool that she could be her own translator and, and I'm sure when it's a situation of someone who is a living poet, when they can work closely with a translator and um, really make sure that those words that maybe have double meanings or something like that, are they're choosing the right, right. word. But, like, poets who are maybe passed on, it's interesting because it's like they don't necessarily have a say in, in that. And it's like, yeah, there's probably many analyses and everything that the translators can reference, but mm-hmm. it's just would be such an interesting process to, to look into and how like things get translated. I specifically remember because my friend that I was talking to said that her friend who translates poetry, he would get really, he like would get annoyed because he'd read translations and, and talk and like be like this isn't he would choose to translate something because he's like they didn't do it right or they didn't do oh, a good job yeah. like they didn't translate that correctly or like the way it was supposed to be and right. so it's just an interesting interesting concept and interesting perspective that I wouldn't have thought about yeah I love that yeah My, she's translating a book that's crazy oh boy I like part of it. a book yeah crazy um, my next poet is super well known. Her name is Emily Dickinson. Never heard of her. Who's that? Well, I'm going to educate you. Tell me about her. She is one of America's greatest and most original poets of all time. I mean, I haven't heard of her, so... (laughs) Stop. (laughs) Stop it. She's amazing, and um, one of the very first poets I ever read, actually. Her stuff is very simple and and, um, approachable to Mm -hmm. a younger audience, so I got really into her, plus her name's Emily, and 
I'm really self-absorbed. So, <laughs> um, she was born Emily Elizabeth Dickinson on December 10th, 1830 in Amherst, Massachusetts. So this is a much different time period than present Very. day. Yeah. Um, which she, says something when their poetry lasts that long and can speak to audiences exactly. across, exactly. across eons. Maybe not eons. <laughs> Who's to say? We don't know yet. <laughs> How long is an eon? I'll Google it. Continue. Are you not going to listen to me? No, I'm going to. <laughs> multitask. I'm a woman, damn it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a woman, damn it. I say while I sit in my canned wine. Uh, she attended Amherst Academy for seven years and Mount Holyoke Female Semina- Seminary for a short time before returning to her family home. From a young age, Emily was troubled by deepening, by a, quote, deepening menace of death, especially the deaths of those close to her. She had a young cousin die of typhus in 1844, which traumatized her deeply. Typhus is, like, typhoid, yeah? Or is it different? I don't know the difference. I'm not an epidemiologist. I mean, they probably didn't. It was before, like, they knew too much about all that stuff. I would assume so. so. It was a terrible death, and uh, it really affected her. But, so, the year after, in 1845, she announced to many of her friends at the Academy that she had found her savior and found, quote, perfect peace and happiness in God. This led her Mm -hmm. to attend Mount Holyoke, but it didn't last. She only spent 10 months at the school before returning home. Mm. She's tended to be kind of a fickle being too yeah, where she was she like get really excited I just so believe in it and then let it all go move on to the next thing thank um, you next <laughs> Emily Dickinson the very first thank you next mm-hmm, mm-hmm. she was said to have lived much of her life in isolation by choice mm. um, later in life she was the same girl <laughs> <laughs> oh if I had a dime um, later in life, she was even reluctant to leave her bedroom and venture into the rest of her house, let alone outside. Same girl. <laughs> <laughs> but for real, it was like a thing and a problem. Um, I mean, yeah. <laughs> same, same girl. <laughs> like it's a problem. <laughs> oh, she never married and most of her friendships depended entirely on letter writing. That's kind of cool. I mean, like, it may not have been it the healthiest, sus- it, but that's cool. Right, and it seemed to sustain her, you mm-hmm. know? like I never, Yeah, if, like, that's what she needed, and... Of all of the things I read about her, what struck me the most was that she, I never heard of accounts of her being like, oh, if only I had the strength friends, to, like, but... be with friends or whatever. Like, she just seemed perfectly content, content to mm-hmm. be alone to write letters in her room and 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 her friends were good enough friends that they kept up with her it wasn't like yeah they just they let her like, go you know you do you um so i just think that that's such an interesting point to make that like oftentimes i what before i did research on her i, I f- thought of her as the kind of person that was like lonely and sitting in the window mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. watching all of life pass her by but she no was she just was an just introvert. an introvert exactly <laughs> um same i mean we're same girl. we would have been great friends i'll let you write you all the letters you want emily dickinson 
from um, our rooms. Well, she wrote constantly, nearly 1,800 poems during her lifetime, but less than a dozen were actually published when she was alive. It's crazy. So she was instrumental in challenging the definition of poetry and the poet's work. She experimented with expression and crafted a new type of persona for the first person. Her poems typically lacked titles, contained short lines, and irregular capitalization and punctuation. She would often, like, allude to herself and her own poems, which she would capitalize to, like, show importance and, like, sort mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. be, like, a hint to the reader of, like, hey, if you like this line, go read my other poem. Mm-hmm. And it actually made cat- cataloging her stuff a lot easier after she died. Um, That's cool. Which I think is funny. Um But it was not until after her death in 1886 when her younger sister Lavinia discovered her stashes of poems that it became apparent to the public just how much she wrote. Lavinia is a cool name. Yeah, it is a cool name. I had a feeling that that I would like that name. You would like that name and that you were going to write it down in your little list of baby names. I knew it. I literally was like, oh, I like Lavinia. And I was like, Mark's going to like it so much more than me and put it on her baby list. That's hilarious. I think I know you too well. <laughs> Adding it to the list. <laughs> How do you spell it? <laughs> Literally. How do you spell it? <laughs> L-A-V-I-N-I-A. Thank you. Save. Save it. Um, her first collection, Emily's first collection, was um, published... Posthumously in 1890. Is that how you pronounce that? Yes. I well, because it's not it looks posthumously like or post- posthumously or something. Is that not? It's not posthumously for sure. I think it's posthumously. That makes more sense. I don't know where the N is coming from in your. Let me see. Post. Okay, yeah. Posthumously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, well. <laughs> Her first collection was published posthumously in 1890 by personal acquaintances that heavily edited the content. Huh. The main edit being the extraction of the name Susan. Huh. It was discovered that in 1998, I'm sorry, it was discovered in 1998 that at least 11 of Emily's poems were dedicated to her sister-in-law, Susan Huntington Gilbert Dickinson. The dedications were all presumably obliterated by a woman named Mabel Loomis Todd. Was Mabel jealous? One of Emily's acquaintances that helped publish Emily's work after her death and also the longtime mistress of Susan's husband. Mabel is a mistress name. Austin Dickinson, (laughs) Emily's brother. So um, Emily and Mabel were like, they like got along, you know, because they were acquaintances. Was, well, because it was her sister-in-law. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sorry, not her sister-in-law. Mabel was like a, a schoolmate or something. She, well, she was just always around because she was having an affair with her brother, mm-hmm. with Emily's mm-hmm. brother. Um, but Emily's allegiance was always with Susan. Susan. Yeah, and, so, and actually, I think it's coming out soon. There's a <clears> movie. 
about this, and I think it's called mm. Wild Nights with Emily. And oh, I feel like I've seen previews for that. Also, coincidentally, the name of my autobiography. Um, <laughs> no, um, Wild Nights with Emily. Emily. No, this is a movie about. They're mostly the, she falls asleep when we start a movie. <laughs> Wild Night. Wild Night. Me tonight after this podcast. Um, no, it's uh, it's based on the letters between Emily and Susan, and mm. they. So did Susan know about Mabel? I would assume so. Um, many, but I don't think she cared because a lot was she of getting it too? well, a lot of um, Emily was incredibly fond of Susan, and yeah. some scholars believe that their relationship was a romantic one. So oh, there are she was getting it from Emily. So there are letters from Emily to Susan that express her deep affection and desire for Susan. Mm-hmm. So apparently this movie is based off of those letters between the two of them and it looks really like kind of witty and funny and i i want to say it's not her never mind um but there's like stars in it and it's supposed to be really cute um yeah we'll watch it later (laughs) (laughs) that'll be up for hours (laughs) um so yeah so i'll be up for hours (laughs) so that's the deal with susan um, so did anyone ever like edit it so that then they were dedicated to her or like in 1998 when it was found that they had been tampered with a mm-hmm. full anthology of her poems that like include almost every one of her poems unedited, um, really became cool. available. Good. So cool. yes, after facing many consecutive deaths in her immediate family, she, Emily had said that she had seen quote, a great darkness coming and fainted while baking in her kitchen, which is one of her favorite pastimes. Mm. She remained unconscious for the rest of the day and stayed sick for weeks to come. Wow. She was confined to her bed for a few months, but still sent a last few letters. Mm. After her symptoms worsened, she died on May 15th, 1886, at the young age of 55. Wow, yeah. The Ides of May. I know. That's different than March. I I was like, yeah. Wait. (laughs) I'm so gullible. Still the Ives. It's just of May. It's just not as much pomp, you know? No, no. March. It's a good sentence. The Ives of March. It it is a damn good sentence. You're right. Sorry, um, I don't know why I have so much input today. That's okay. <laughs> you have to edit it, so it's not my fault. I'm just going to leave it in there. It's funny. <laughs> yeah, I'll shut up. <laughs> okay, um, her official cause of death is Bright's disease, which is a disease of the kidneys that would now be referred to, like today, as acute or chronic nephritis. Hmm. Again, they didn't know anything about anything. Right, um... A funny Medical. thing, it was often treated with warm baths or bloodletting. So that was the answer to everything. So uh, they had no idea what was going on, but so she died. Just get rid of some blood. They were like, you know, cycle it through and just warm your body up a little bit and take a bubble bath. Bubble bath. <laughs> <laughs> I'll always take that. Prescribe me a bubble bath any day. Right. Uh, according to the Poetry Foundation website, quote, In order to define meaning without confining it, 
to inhabit a house that never became a prison, Dickinson created in her writing a distinctively elliptical language for expressing what was possible but not yet realized. Which I like that quote. Yeah. Um, she was inspired by the writings of Ralph Waldo Emerson, William Wordsworth, Shakespeare, and the Bronte sisters. Good choices. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to pick some from your era, that's... Those are the ones to pick. Shakespeare's maybe not her era, but... Well, but, like, they were famous or popular in her time. Uh, This is... Now, so I know that Emily Dickinson is super popular, and we've all heard, like... Soup's popular. Soup's pop. And uh, we've heard a lot of her stuff over the years. Soup pops. Soup dumplings. Soupy dumps. Anyway. Anyway. (laughs) She was really popular. Uh, so she's super popular, and I'm sure that we've all heard a lot of her poems in our lifetime. So I have chosen one that I personally never heard before. Uh, it's very short and sweet, because I had a lot to say about her. Um, Me too, apparently. <laughs> and it's called Fame is a Bee. And then in quotes, B as in B-E-E? B-E-E, like the insect. Um, and in quotes, it the next to the what would be the title. She never titled her poem, so that's mm-hmm. the first line they always took. Mm-hmm. Um, next to it is in quotes, a number, <clears throat> 1788. Um, the number after most of her poem titles is a system devised by publishers. So, like, often if you research her stuff and, like, you see one of her poems come up, it'll be, like, the first line and then, like, 238 or something. Huh. Um, and that just symbolizes, like, a way that they... Categorized, categorized it, cataloged it. it. Yeah, exactly. Hmm, okay. So this is Fame is a Bee. Fame is a bee. It has a song. It has a sting. Ah, too. It has a wing. Hmm. That's all. Hmm. Just a sweet little one-line poem. Um, I wanted to do one of her poems, like I said, that I'd never read before. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure that I, like, I'm going to be revisiting her down the line. So oh, yeah. this was... I wanted to get all the info out there first mm-hmm. before we went into the actual words itself. Yeah. Um, originally, I had wanted to do her poem that begins, Because I Could Not Stop for Death, because I think it's one of my favorites of hers. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever read it, but it's um, it's like, Because I Could Not Stop for gl- Death, It Gladly Stopped for Me. Uh, and yeah, we, think- like it's like her dying but as like meeting it as a friend mm-hmm. and like being mm-hmm. very the, like the, in Harry Potter the exactly exactly that's what I think of too um this poem though um I like this little metaphor she's giving the reader and you know what a thing for her to be considering especially since yeah. she was never famous during her lifetime you know it makes me wonder what inspired the poem yeah um, for someone who never experienced this like overwhelming fame or mm-hmm. for her work as a poet, I think it's a really good depiction of the phenomenon of fame. Yeah. You know, it, she's like... Well, yeah, and for someone who, for the most part, stayed in her room and indoors, so like, it's not like she had TV to see famous people or scroll through Instagram or something. Right. So to make that observation is really interesting. Yeah, she was so smart. I mean, and it's so true, like, when when you're famous... People sing your praises. It can sting you or come back to bite you in the ass. Mm-hmm. Or it can give you wings and set you free. Yeah. You know, it's a super, I think, a really optimistic view of fame. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, maybe it was something she was hopeful for in her life. Mm -hmm. Maybe she wrote it being like, maybe, maybe one, day. one day this will be me and, and I know what it'll cost, but it could be good, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I don't really have very much else to say about it other than yeah. she as a person was very fascinating to me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, it's really cool to talk about her and talk about her backstory and everything because it's like, again, a poet that I'm sure so many people know but maybe don't know too many details about her backstory and whatnot. Right. Um, and, uh, yeah, and it's cool. It's cool in all of our talk about Instagram poets and all that stuff and short little poems to see someone who... There definitely was an Instagram at the time, but writing sure? those, like, I mean, I think it was developed it was in, a couple years later. Just a little bit after. Um, Only a few, probably. A few years. Um, but, to like, those cross time. Like, it's those little, short little poems and short little thoughts are something that spoke to people no matter what era or age they were in. Sure. And felt... Like, even if it was a short little thought, it felt important enough to put down to paper and just wrap it up nicely in that little short. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. So those are my poets. Love it. This was a fun week. I really, it was fun. Yeah. I was really excited to do these ones. Yeah. So. And I could tell you were excited. And I got really excited when I had my poems. But, like, when you texted me and you were like, I have a lot to say about Emily Dickinson. <laughs> I was like, I'm so excited. I can't wait. Well, she was, she, like I said, she was one of the first ones that I ever really read on my own or, like, got interested in reading. And, yeah. Um, I think it's, it's really cool what kind of imprint those young literary yeah. influences can make on you. I right, really right. Cool. Absolutely. Yeah. Love it. So that's our episode for this week. Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks Getting for listening. it through it with us. <laughs> As always, we want to give a special thanks to our music genius, mm -hmm. Zach Adkins. You can like Snaps him, <laughs> follow him. Um, he'll be tagged in all our social media and... Ew. I'm sorry. Again, social media. Oh, I hated myself when I said it. Um, and We're not in 1984. This is a thought speaker, <laughs> think speaker, whatever. Um, yep. So thank you, Zach. We love it. And we hope you guys do too. Mm -hmm. And also, if you look down in the notes on this episode, you may find a support link. And if you feel so inclined, you can click on that button and... Give us a little support to help us grow this podcast. It would be much appreciated. Um, and if not, we would love it if you could just share it with your loved ones and tell people you think might be interested in poetry or just listening to two millennial women talk mm -hmm. about life. Um, if you could, uh, yeah, just share it with people who you think might be interested. And as always, you can go on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your podcasts, mm -hmm. rate and review us. And click that subscribe button. Well, have a great week. Thanks for being here with us. And we will see you next week. See you next time. We'll, we'll talk to you next week. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.